Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't you say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same thing. Just say tires. Where do we pick up from? Hi, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. In 2014, a failed stand-up comic entered a contest called The Hunt for the Host. He did not win. Later, he was joined by an underperforming Oregon State fullback with a community college degree. These men, neither having earned the position and possessing no real skills, continue on as radio personalities. If you have nothing better to do on a Saturday morning, and if you can find them, maybe you can hear The Sinner and the Saint. Starring Luke Anderson. Get on, we got on a, we got on a gentleman's clubs. Oh. How do you like those? Oh, hey, everybody. Mickey Mouse, no. It is now. Devolved into that. And Will Darkens. Ear or eye? Where do you want it? On 1080 The Fan. Yeah. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Sinner and the Saints. If you missed anything from Hour 1, we went through all of the playoff matchups and told you with uh, 100% certainty everything that will happen. So if you don't want to watch the playoffs, save yourself a little time. Go back and download the podcast at 1080thefan.com. Or if you're thinking of putting money on it. Is that Australian? You know, yeah, that wasn't executed <laughs> well, was it? I tried to be... Uh, Bookie mobster, gambler yeah. guy. I uh, tried to be bookie mobster, and then it ended up as Paul Hogan. If you'd like to get out there and place some wages on it, you owe me a grand. <laughs> Don't make it get messy, mate. That's not a bet. This is a no? this is a bet. Yeah, that's know. a knife. <laughs> what the hell was the obsession with that guy? What do you mean? I don't know. Like, why was that a national treasure? Yeah, but why was that a thing? Why did they make movies of it? Do you know how Paul Hogan got his start? I don't know. What, he killed a gator? No, same way, uh, old, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kirstie, no. Kirstie Alley? Kirstie Alley. Game show. What? Yeah, game show led to success. So Kirstie Alley showed up on Match Game. I thought she got successful out of Cheers. Well, she did. That was her first big break, but she, she moved out to L.A., and uh, she was an interior designer or a makeup artist or something like that. And she showed up on Match Game and everyone went, wow, you have a real star quality about you. She got an agent after she showed up as a contestant on Match Game. And then she, uh, you know, shot her way to stardom. And then she became, uh, you know, an uh, overweight uh, party hostess. So that's how Paul Hogan? Paul Hogan was on an Australian game show. And uh, he was, you know, smart mouthing back to the host. And everybody's like, this guy's fantastic. He was like uh, Ken Jennings with a personality. And then uh, they're like, hey, we should put this guy in stuff. And they did. And then uh, they made Crocodile Dundee, and he looked decent enough wearing just a vest. 
He did. So they made a bunch of them. He basically made it attractive to have a hairy chest. No, I think that was the time. I no, think I Albert, think he started that. You ever see Albert Brooks without his shirt on? They I, did that in the 80s, too. I that think guy that's has hair thing. everywhere. Yeah, but it started with no, Paul Hogan. Yeah, not at all. It did. No. Paul Hogan led the evolutionary chain of people finding hairy chests attractive. Elliot Gould was a superstar, and he was he was all hair. It didn't he, like it went like his whole neck was hair, just ran right into his chest. I'm and, talking about the chest, though. I think people I liked just, his neck. <laughs> his neck hair is what made him a star. Yeah. I don't know, buddy. I think you're a little bit off on that, but uh, yeah, uh, you you have your Paul Hogan posters on the wall, so I can't say you're wrong. Don't make this a difficult situation. <laughs> that is such a terrible accent. Beach and easing. Yeah. All right. Now it sounds British. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like anything. It just sounds like you pretending to be somebody you're not poorly. I'm the bookie bulldog. <laughs> the bookie bulldog? Yeah, that's what they call me. What is it going to take this weekend for you to turn on any portion of the Masters? Mm. If uh, somebody, and I've said this before, don't you remember? I don't we were, know. I don't remember anything you we say. We were talking about the British Open. If Tiger Woods hits a ball and it veers <laughs> off onto the beach, he goes down there. Goes, okay, so so Augusta's landlocked. Okay, That's, well. That'll be important to uh, know for this. Well, just let me explain. Okay. So <laughs> oh, yes. Tiger okay, Woods. Okay, now I remember exactly what yes. you were going to say. So you asked so me the same question. Woods. You, you asked me this same question in reference to the British Open. You go, hey, yes. what in any part is going to make you watch the yeah. British Open? And I go, okay. Here's the only way. Tiger Woods hits, ball veers off onto the beach. He goes down. It's a nude beach. Somebody locks eyes with him. It triggers him. He gets in on some hippie love thing going on. Yeah, there's a nude drum circle happening yeah, down on the beach that's where, right. where he slices his ball. Yeah, and he sees it. The CBS cameras have followed him. They're great guys. Yep. They get down there. They're filming the whole thing live. It's and, important to know in this scenario, yeah. listeners, that the cameramen are great guys. Yeah, they are great guys. Okay. Well, they're able to climb down that damn hill. <laughs> they're willing to because they're, they're thinking something might happen. Sure. Plus, they came out early to scout the the location, and they went, hey, there's a naked drum circle down there. If somebody hooks the ball down there, that's going to be awesome. So if you could get a naked drum circle anywhere near Augusta and yeah. Tiger Woods happens by it, yeah, yeah, I'll turn it on. Yeah, and a lady with uh, flowers in her hair, they make eye contact, birds yeah. start to chirp, yeah. the azaleas are in bloom, the whole thing happens. And right. uh, it's still whispering as we play-by-play it. <laughs> it's now, whisper Jim Nance. Tiger is taking his pants off. <laughs> he's on the he's on the prowl. <laughs> Tiger is on the prowl. That's the only way you're watching. There's nothing Tiger Woods in the final pairing tomorrow doesn't do anything for you. Mm, not really because I've heard this so many times before and this keeps happening and I still hold my opinion that Tiger Woods will never win another major. I just don't think he will. His time has passed. The field is way too crowded with great players right now. Um I, I just I, coming I into today the 5 players uh leading so tied for the for the the best score after two rounds all five have major victories under their belt yeah you have a guy like brooks kepka adam scott and then most of all the guy i would worry about is jason day because this is what jason day does yeah he, he hangs around long enough and then on the last day he just friggin' wins the tournament he hurt his back picking up his kids he's not even supposed to be playing well the hardest thing for him this weekend has been putting the ball on the tee yeah he's working oh, yeah, but a golf club and and leading a major nah, no big deal it's adversity yeah he's doing just fine 
All right. Uh, tomorrow, you've got the Blazers game at 1230. What's going to make you turn it off and, and watch anything else? Ooh, nothing, actually. Okay. I'll watch that entire game, and I have no problem with it. Because either way it goes, I'm wanting to check it out. Now, I came many times last year very close to bouncing from that game one against the Pelicans. Yep. Like, very close. Because it was just awful play. And the reason being is because there never seemed to be a point where the momentum swung. You just always kind of felt like New Orleans was going to win. And so I'm looking in this game, I say, hey, I want to see the momentum just be carried by Damian Lillard the entire first game. You got to go out there, you got to make a statement, and you also have to make Russell Westbrook completely frustrated by the fact that he's going to be the only guy carrying the scoring load. Paul George, like we said at the beginning, Supposed to shoulders talking on primetime, not ready. Yeah. Well, I, I will. I apologize for forgetting your Tiger Woods take, um, but I will give you credit for after game one last year of the Blazers series against the Pelicans, you had not only the correct stance, you had the most definitive stance of anybody uh, that, that, you know, talks about sports. You said they're going to get swept after one game where it was relatively close in the fourth quarter. And you said, it's over. It's absolutely over, and it was. And uh, every game uh, subsequently uh, proved that more and more. The Blazers are favored in game one, but they're underdogs in the series, so we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. We'll talk more Blazers as we kind of wrap up the show uh, when we get into what to watch. Uh, but we need to talk some baseball. You, non-baseball guy, have a hot take from the Blaze- or from the Mariners game last night that we need to discuss that apparently has nothing to do with baseball. Is that accurate? It has something to do with baseball, just not the players. Gotcha. All right, we'll figure that out what, out what that is. Uh, Jen Ellis is back to talk baseball with us once again, so we will do that next. You're listening to The Sinner and Saint right here on 1080 The Fan. That's right, I still have silver chair and heavy rotation on my six-disc changer in my car. What? That all went way over your head. Here's yeah. the millennial. Could have been you German CDs? you were speaking. What? Do you remember CDs? Uh, I think. Yeah. Those were the things you put in your computer, right? The square sta- <laughs> things? It, it's, it, so I have two and a half year old twins for any listeners that uh, are just joining us for the first time. And I was thinking about it this week going, what? How many things will I have to explain to my children? There was this uh, test done by psychologists where they put a group of uh, young people in a room with a rotary phone and just to see if anybody <laughs> could figure out how to use it. And they were putting in groups of like a dozen people at a time, that wave after wave, just watching how they reacted to this piece of technology <laughs> that seems, you know, not only uh, it's obviously antiquated, but it seems, you know, I think easy enough to figure out for us mm-hmm. that grew up with telephones. Uh, but yeah, nobody figured out how to make a phone call with that. They're like, where's the screen? What do I do? And it wasn't oh just God. that they didn't understand how the physical object worked, the way they related it. They knew it was telephone, <laughs> but just couldn't figure it out at all. But I'm thinking of, of my girls getting older and just realizing that they're going to have really no reference for most of the technology that I grew up with. Like hang up the phone. Like yeah, yeah. you ha- literally yeah, yeah, would yeah. hang it up well, onto or, the or, or give them a ring. Cradle, yes. As you exactly. explain that there used to be bells yeah. in these phones and it was a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's the developers of the iPhone are still upset that we have, you know, that they called it a phone because the device is so much more <laughs> powerful, whatever. Anyways, it's time to talk baseball yes. and we bring back Jen Ellis, uh, our, our resident baseball expert. <laughs> 
And I don't even know if baseball expert is a proper term. You are a super fan, Jen Ellis. Correct. Um, so yes. we are very happy to have you back. But uh, as as we do so rarely, uh, Will has a baseball hot take or an observation that he wanted to bring up. And this will be the first time in the four weeks that you've been here that Will has something to contribute to this segment. So, yeah. Will, what we'll let it? you kick it off and see where mm-hmm. it takes us. Jen, did you notice last night in the Mariners game that uh, Ump get his arm beamed? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Nobody said beamed? Yeah, without or the phrase, beamed. right? Beamed. Beamed? Yeah. Beamed? Like I said, beamed. Beamed. Yeah. So, uh, you're yeah, you didn't to... see that? No. So, there was some play where uh, <laughs> the pitcher threw wild and it just being the uh, ump in the arm, and mm-hmm. it was still a, a live ball. Like, you could play it. And yeah. so somebody was coming mm-hmm. in from third to slide into home. The ump, like, goes down in pain, grabs his arm, and then, like, uh, recollects himself really fast, gets up still holding his arm, and he looks down at the plate. And as the guy slides in, he still has his arm hanging, and he takes the working <laughs> one, and he calls safe. Safe yeah. with one arm. One arm. <laughs> and then once the play was over, he finally took his mask off and was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, poor guy. Pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, um, go and just look at some of the shots that umpires take in the course of, uh, oh of a season. It's, yeah, you, you have a guy throwing it 115 miles an hour, and then a guy swinging as hard as he can, and you take a foul tip that, oh that goes back to the mm. face mask of a guy, completely disorients, and they have a backup umpire there just in case a guy gets hurt. There's a lot of very dangerous things that oh, happen yeah. in the game of baseball. Have you ever been to an A's game where something like that happened? I've seen uh, an A's game where actually uh, Stephen Vogt, the previous catcher for the A's, he got hit in the crotch a couple of times in one season. And one of the times, I mean, he was absolutely writhing in pain and rolling around on the ground. I mean, if you Google it, it's just it's very painful to watch. But, yeah, I was at that game, and I was like, oh, God. And, you know, I mean, they he was limping off the field. They had to carry him off, and he he was on the disabled list for a really long time after that. But it was just, oh, God, it Didn't was so sad. Didn't he wear sad. a cup? Oh, yeah, of course. But the uh, way it bounces. Not of course. Pull up no. Yadier Molina from last year. He did not wear a cup. Well, I mean. He exploded part of his anatomy. Oh, geez, yeah. man. I, I, the I left mean, one, I believe. But just the way it bounced, the way the ball bounced and just went right up underneath, and it was like, oh, God. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> Yeah, and they just kept showing it over and over again on the TV, him rolling around yeah. on, at first plate, for, I mean, at home plate, <laughs> home plate, home yeah. plate, first plate, duh. Um, first I'm a baseball plate. expert. You're been spending too much time yeah. with me. That's yes, right. I know. Uh, we brought yeah. you in to make Will smarter about baseball. Right, He's I know, making duh. making dumber. Jeez. Uh, yeah, there's. The, I can still remember because I played baseball in high school. But Tom Crockett was our center fielder, so he didn't wear a cup, and mm. he was standing behind first base in practice. And somebody first plate, oh, sorry, first plate. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> one of our third basemen uh, threw a ball that sailed over the first baseman oh, and caught man. poor Tom not looking. And I'm not even kidding. He was he was down for like oh, yeah. 30 minutes. No, and we were pretty well convinced he was going to die. I know. It just it, it yeah. looks like it. I mean, it's just I, I can't imagine, it's, but I can imagine. It's just it's still <laughs> so, so bad. Funny though, uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, I know it's horrifying, but it's sure. really funny when somebody gets hit in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. it is. It there actually are, is. There are some baseball injuries. <laughs> Did who was the player for the? Um, was it the Cardinals that climbed the wall too early? 
Did oh, you see that play yes, this week? Yeah, he climbed the, the wall too early, and, and then he had he fell off really in a weird, funky way. But it was yeah. but that wasn't the first time he had done that. Yeah, so, for, for Will, for just for your information, uh, the left field, it tends to be where you just throw that guy that can't necessarily play in the field. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he's got a great bat, and we sure. need to put him somewhere. And left Chris field, Davis of the A's. Yeah, left field, right. you don't need to have a strong arm. You don't necessarily need to be a mm-hmm. great fielder. So the left fielder for the Cardinals, right? I think it was the Cardinals, yeah. So he turns around to play the ball and he gets an early jump on it and goes and climbs the wall early and Mm -hmm. perches himself on top of the wall so he can catch the home run that's going to go over it the problem was the ball went about five feet short of the wall right so he's he's on the wall on the wall waiting for the ball to go (laughs) over the fence so he can try to catch it and then it falls short so he jumps off of the wall face first and plants his face into the right into the warning track and and hurts himself pull pull up that pull up that play while the adults talk baseball and just watch that one it's absolutely insane that's awesome yeah it's baseball <laughs> baseball is full of highlights and lowlights i still yes. think back to jose canseco and the ball bouncing up off of his head, head and going, head and going over, over for, a for a home run. run oh god i know um so, so, so i was go gonna ask you jen <laughs> uh, i brought you in because it's always fun to kind of go over some of the things what are the things sure. that happened this week in baseball that caught your attention well last night uh you know the mariners actually did not win however they, yeah, are they, still they gave up two grand slams. Two grand slams. We're still in the game. In one kind game. Of. Yeah, which was pretty amazing. And they still hit a home run. So they are on a continuous uh, streak of breaking this uh, record in, in the MLB. Yeah, um, so they, for, have, they have 16 home runs in their first 16 games. So I pulled it up. Do you know what the record is for at any point in the season? So so right now the Mariners uh, already set the record. It was 15 no it was 14 it was 14 so they and broke, now it, broke it two nights yeah. ago mm-hmm. and so now they're at 16 consecutive games with a the team hitting a home run in 16 right. consecutive yes. games so they're ongoing on the streak did you happen to catch what the major league record was for at any point Mm-mm, in the season oh no, what is it 27 ah. 27 games and that was by so the that's... 2002 texas rangers okay the funny thing was the record that they broke the 14 was the 2002 cleveland indians oh. so both records were set in the same year so yeah, something weird. to keep an eye yeah. on for the mariners going forward nice speaking of the rangers the a's i watched the a's at the texas rangers last mm-hmm. night and if you listen carefully when elvis andrews is called up to bat his walk-up yeah. music third baseman for the mm-hmm. texas rangers elvis shortstop yeah. shortstop for, yeah, yeah. For, for the texas rangers mm-hmm. uh elvis andrews what does he play Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. That's his walk-up music. So it's his daughter's favorite song. It's his son's favorite Say song. Son's his favorite son song. is like a year old or yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So yes, it's this you know insane song that every parent goes and crazy about because it's stuck yeah. in their head all the time. Yeah, absolutely. so that's his walk-up music. But uh, the the fun thing about it is that Chris Davis of the A's uh, has hit. 16 home runs in 28 career games at Globe Life Park. I mean, he owns the Rangers and Globe Life. And so he has, is it 10 home runs right now? Now he's the first uh, this year to hit uh, 10 home runs. So Chris Davis is funny because Chris Davis, C-H-R-I-S. Chris Davis of the Baltimore's is C. Yeah, Uh, so K. And then K-D is the A's. Yeah, Yeah. so so Chris Davis with a K right now leads the league Mm. in home runs. And Chris Davis with a C in Baltimore is on the Longest hitless streak Oof. in Major League Baseball history. Where, I think how far is he? going into today, he's 0 and 61 at the plate, dating back to September 14th of last year. Yeah. So he has not had a hit in 61 
plate appearances. Yeah. So you mentioned ah, you mentioned guy. the Houston Astros beating the uh, Mariners. Right. So for anybody that is just shocked by how good the Mariners are, I will include, oh my God, include myself among that. Yeah. Here's the here's the really shocking thing to me is I pulled up just the the stats and you know you have to do this periodically in baseball and kind of the one of the fun things is all of the things that you can watch. The Mariners are leading baseball in home runs. Mm-hmm. Now, in fairness, uh, the Mariners and the A's got an early start to the season. They played Correct. two games in Japan. The A's are number two. But the Mariners also lead Major League Baseball in batting average, yep. slugging percentage. Right. They're number two on, on in on-base percentage in all of baseball. Right. Um, You've watched them a little bit. Yeah. Is this sustainable? They're still leading baseball in right. airs. They have the worst yes. fielding percentage yeah, in baseball. Exactly, which is not good. Yeah. But the other stuff, it just, I mean, so many people are saying, oh my gosh, is it too early to get really excited about this new Mariners team? Because yes. that's always been the problem. I mean, we've talked about it so many times is that, you know, and same thing with A's fans too. We get so excited and then all of a sudden after the All-Star break, it's like, you know, they just yeah. slide. So wait, what yeah. is it like? Is okay. that it? Did you yeah. guys get no, that? Did you get that one? accurate. Okay. All right. We'll use use that sound effect later. Yes. Um, But, you know, I mean, we get so excited and then, uh, you know, our hopes are dashed at the end of the year and it's like, oh, God. But everybody's just really kind of thinking on the edge of like, okay, is it too early to get excited about this new this new look Mariners? Because, I mean, you know, let's face it. There are a lot of young guys that are making errors. Tim Beckham, you know, but he is, you know knocking the ball out of the park a bunch of times but we also have the you know you've got encarnacion which is like <laughs> one of the most fun names to say yeah. in baseball edwin encarnacion and isaiah kiner falafa is also a fun name to say he's the catcher for the rangers ramon lurian <laughs> no you didn't that guy too yes he threw out another guy at home plate this why do this people week. run on him like don't they have scouting reports yeah so yeah he so yeah speaking of ramon so, yeah we went off i'm sorry we no, went no, off you're on a fine. tangent do you give yes. and you're an a's fan yes. uh but you've you've watched you know uh, at least 160 games of baseball most of your life right so I see the Mariners a lot because they're do in the you, same division. Do you yeah. give Mariners fans permission to get excited? I do. I do. And I, you know, one of the guys here in the office, he's, you know, kind of been the same way you are. Get, you know, gets his hopes up and then is like, oh, God. But, you know, yesterday he busted out his Mariners ah. shirt. He came to work with his Mariners shirt on. I was like, ah, I see, I see. So now everybody's kind of like, oh, okay, let's let's take a look. Even, even though we don't know the names of the guys yet. Uh, <laughs> 18, let's, 18. Eighteen Mariners have made their team debut. They haven't even played 18 games yet. Yeah. And there's been, I think it's nine position players and nine uh, pitchers have made their mm-hmm. first time debut with the ball club yeah. already this year. Yeah, they played great. 16 games. That's mm-hmm. not great. That's no, bizarre. I like they have it. 20, what, 27 guys on the roster. I know. Yeah. First time. A first time ever. But I know I like it. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I've seen the A's re quote, quote, rebuild so many times. And it's yeah. like, you just see so many people that get to come up and make their debut. And that's an exciting thing to see. I love that part of baseball okay. because, you know, if, if the player is lucky enough to have their family in the stands when they make their debut, Debut or when they when they you know make their debut on a certain team or whatever you know it's it's just it's it's an exciting moment it always gives me chills and I get tears in my eyes when like the you know the parents are in the stands cheering them on and stuff I mean that's an exciting thing too okay me. well so, so as, as anyway. a Mariners fan I will say delay your excitement right so they they beat the the Royals in a four-game series right. the Royals yes. lost 10 straight or at the time Something had lost like 10 that, straight yeah. first team in baseball they beat the White Sox 
This week, uh, their game two against the Astros uh, in a three-game series. They'll finish that up uh, tomorrow yeah. in the afternoon, which uh, is is always fun to have the uh, afternoon games uh, yeah. in, in Seattle on mm-hmm. Sundays. They wear the cream-colored uniforms. Yeah, that's great. I love Indians those. and then Angels, uh, and the second time they're playing the Angels. But yeah. I think if you can get through the Astros and the Indians and yes. continue some of this momentum, sure, I mean, they're yeah. averaging, what, like seven and a half or almost eight game, eight runs a game. Yes. So if they can keep it up this weekend, yeah. uh, win the series against the Astros, Astros win the series against Cleveland, then you're allowed to be excited. Yes, but I think I say, so. I Cautiously optimistic at this point, I Fair think. Enough. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think, um, you know, it is an exciting time for sure. Yep. I, I do, you know, and, and like I said, I've seen the American League West a lot yep. over the years. So I've seen the Mariners, you know, go through different players and I've seen, you know, all that stuff too. So it's, it's, uh, I've but seen I, I think, things, man. I've seen, I, I've things. seen it. I've, I've seen, seen it. <laughs> I've seen some things you don't want to see. Yeah. But I think it's a good time. I think it's fun. I like it. Get and excited. Now, I, I will next week. If right. they, if they okay. can beat the Indians and the Astros. Cross fingers, hold breath. Uh, okay. Jen Ellis right. joining us to talk baseball Woo-hoo. once again. Thank you so thank much you, for coming in. Absolutely. Uh, we will get back into some basketball. We'll do that next. But first, Will Darkens with your news update. Yes, it is. Luke Anderson, Will Darkens. Blazers finally finished the regular season for me i mentioned this earlier could not wait to get to this point in the season it's all just a culmination of of really an off season an end of last season an off season where i don't think uh, people saw enough moves to their satisfaction that the team was going to come out and be markedly different uh they didn't make a couple moves at the trade deadline they added rodney hood and his canter um, but here they are. They've got their matchup. The first round has been a bugaboo for the Blazers for the past uh, three seasons. Uh, they were swept the last two years. And I don't know if they got the matchup that everybody was hoping for. It's always funny when you get to the end of the NBA season. Who do you want to play? How do we want to match it up? Who's your? Who's the team that we can beat? Well, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be the Jazz, including Terry Stotts when he rolled out uh, six freshman guards. For his, uh, for his final game against the Kings, and then 19-year-old Anthony Simons, oh, just, you know, leads the team back from a 28-point deficit, scores 37 points. Uh, looks like he's the future of the Portland Trailblazers, at least in some capacity, um, but he may have hurt them in the short term, and instead of playing Utah, you have a matchup against OKC. Start there, Will Darkens. Uh, do you think this is a worse matchup for the Blazers, or it probably didn't matter? Uh, I think at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter just because you take into circumstance with both of those teams where their weaknesses are and where their leverage is, and you kind of almost think about it as even. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, we've been mentioning this all show. Paul George, he has two sore shoulders, and you know that's going to affect him, and that at some point during the series, that's going to affect Russell Westbrook because he's going to have to play hero ball, and he's going to have to take on that role that he always does in every playoff series, which he wants to think he's going to be the one that saves the team. But in the end, the only time they've ever done well, and I'm going back to his entire career with the Thunder, it's been when the entire team plays together. And most notably when him and Durant could coexist pretty well together. And the times they've been great this season, it's when he's pretty much relinquished to Paul George and said, okay, you handle the scoring load. I'll do the assists. I'll play what minimal defense I can. And we'll go from there Uh, with the jazz. You felt comfortable initially, but I started thinking about the matchups and I said, I don't know who guards Rudy Gobert. I don't. And I don't know who's going to do inside scoring. But isn't that the same thing for Steven Adams? You heard the story this week of uh, Ennis Cantor 
goes to New York. He's formerly uh, played with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Him and him and Stephen Adams are good buddies. They go out there and just start feeding the ball to Stephen Adams on pick and rolls. And Stephen Adams, instead of saying something to his buddy and his canter, goes over to David Fisdale on the New York bench and goes, "Get this guy out of here. He can't guard me." We're yeah, killing him. And you would think that, but I guess how I'm kind of comparing it is saying, well, look at the wing defense for OKC. The wing guys? The wing guys. I mean, consider this, that Russell Westbrook, again, he goes through this whole pattern where he feels like he has to score the entire game and then he gets exhausted on defense. So that's why I'm a little less concerned about this because if you wear him out long enough, you actually don't have to get into the paint and get into Steven Adams as much. You can get those nice mid-range jumpers that CJ's great at. If you're shooting well on a night, I mean, you can get away with a 10 to 12 point lead and start coasting comfortably in the third quarter and give your guys rest come enough for the fourth quarter where you want to actually end the game. So, I, I mean, I feel comfortable with it, but remember last year, uh, we felt really good about the Pelicans in the first yeah, yeah, you're right. We were like, oh, well, it's Anthony Davis, but, I mean, whatever. Well, Drew Holiday's yeah. not that good. Nope. And, you know, and Rajon they John Rondo. Rondo? Uh, whatever. That guy's past his prime. Yeah, He's not going to do it. Okay, whatever. He was, you know, pretty much almost got the Bulls past the first round the year before, but, yeah, whatever. Yeah, nothing's going to nothing's gonna change. But look where the Pelicans are now. That's the, that's the funny thing. That's kind of the irony of the NBA basketball season is you have Anthony Davis demanding a trade well out of the playoffs, have been out of the playoffs since Christmas, it feels like. You knew the Pelicans just didn't really have much hope. And here the Blazers back in the three seed. Do you give them any credit for, for clawing their way through a, a season to, to get the three seed, or is it just moot? I, I think it is moot because most of that middle pack, it's, I don't know, it's the same. Is they're, the West kind of down, though? They're all kind of talent level the same, except for maybe the Rockets because they just kind of moved so much. I mean, there was a point in the season – I mean, in these last 15 games where the Rockets had a chance to be the two seed. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's the only one I would separate, but I don't even throw the Nuggets in with the Blazers, Spurs, uh, Thunder, and Jazz. It's kind of like, yeah, they're all kind of 1A, 1B in a sense. Yeah, I think the Nuggets are the biggest surprise team in the, certainly oh, yeah, in the Western completely. Conference, maybe in the NBA. And the fact that they're such a great offensive team, which you wouldn't think that just with Jokic, that... You know, he's such a great inside defensive presence. But going to the better you today, text line 55305. Somebody asks, is there a way to hide Cantor on defense in a zone so Westbrook only shoots outside the entire series? Yeah, put in Zach Collins. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. right? I mean, well, it, that's it, what Jason Quick was alluding to on yeah. prime time. Yeah, well, and 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 obviously you're going to need some inside scoring. You want to take some of the pressure off of, uh, you know, Damon CJ. And if you can get easy buckets in the paint, and his cancer is going to be great for that. So you wonder what they'll do with the rotation of it. But I think, yeah, you you rotate in different guys to help him on defense. It's not necessarily hiding him. It's just choosing the spots where you put him in. And maybe he's on a short leash. And if they start, you know, going after that matchup with Steven Adams, you just have a quick hook. Get Zach Collins out there. Get Myers Leonard out there. He's got six fouls. Go and do something. Um, the other things I wonder is how much you're going to try to get under the skin of a team that, I mean, it's tough because Yusuf Nurkic was a big part of it. He's a guy that I, I think can get under people's skin. Uh, in a, Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, well, he was the point of consternation in that whole series in the regular season. I mean, the last game of that regular season series, mm -hmm. it's centered on Yusuf Nurkic getting into these brawls. But who else has a, a tendency towards that? It's Ennis Cantor. So you wonder if he'll go, be going and doing it. We've seen uh, Myers Leonard go out and mix it up with people. Oh. Zach Collins. It's not the same thing. I'm not saying it is. But are the Blazers going to look at that and use it as a tactic. Russell Westbrook, like you said, has a tendency to play hero ball, but he also has a tendency to get emotionally mixed up 
in in those little squabbles and you want it's, Damian Lillard and CJ aren't the guys to go and do that. It was Yusuf Nurkic, but Ennis Cantor has a tendency towards that. Zach Collins hasn't backed down from anybody all year. And remember a few years ago when Myers and Boogie got into it, is somebody else willing to pick up that mantle? Was it something that was intentional or is it just Yusuf Nurkic's personality? I don't know. So uh, that's something that I'll be really curious about in this matchup and where that goes. The other thing from the text line, 55305, better you today, text line, somebody suggesting double Paul George, live with the rest of OKC. I don't know if you have to do that just considering his injury status yep. right now. I think, you know, in a playoff series, one of the best things that you can do as a team is basically say, okay, let's feel this team out and see who they are right now because teams honestly do change once you get to the playoffs for sure strategy changes personnel changes and you know souk says it all the time which is the regular season is about rotation and depth once you get into the playoffs who's the stars. most talented yeah what what kind of talent do you have to work with what kind of raw talent is going to get you through a game five where like you need this win to go back home so you feel comfortable yeah I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting series. I'm very excited. Tips off tomorrow at 1230 at Moda Center. Mm -hmm. um, so certainly check. It's ABC is uh, the channel on your television a dial. Well, that's another thing I'll teach kids about. There used to be a dial on your television. Once upon a time, that was a thing. What do you think the pregame is going to be for that? Or I'm sorry, the um, uh, the lineup thing. Because you know the Blazers have done this the uh, past couple of years in the playoffs for the lineups. They like do a special video or they do something uh, where the crowd gets... I think you have Yusuf. If he's not in the arena, he's on tape. Oh, really now? Yeah. I mean, I think you have him come and kind of get a little pumped up. Like him on the big screen, like yelling yeah. at people yeah. in broken English? <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody get pumped up. Well, I'll get in this into this in what to watch, but there's something that I'm looking for in this series, and I think Yusuf Nurkic is... is Part of a bigger story around this Blazers team and this season's approach to it. So um, we'll talk about that next. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, my, my, my. Uh, in What to Watch, that is a segment where we tell you what to watch. It's very cleverly named, and it is next right here on 1080 The Fan. Which is the most exciting matchup in the field of competition? Which game will leave you kicking yourself if you miss it? Which channel should you switch to when the sporting day is gone? Welcome to America's most exciting sports talk radio show segment. It's time for What to Watch. Presented by Encore Audio Video. Now hear this. Whether you're looking for a new TV or a custom home theater, start at Encore Showroom at 14th and Everett in the Pearl. Now our expert panel. Avid television viewer, Will Darkins. And increasingly out-of-touch father of twin girls, Luke Anderson. And are here to tell you what to watch. Literally, it's what to watch on The Sinner and the Saint. On 1080 The Fan. All right, we bring you What to Watch. It is uh, one of the most anticipated weekends in sports. You've got the Masters. Uh, we're in the flow of baseball season. You've got Game of Thrones. But it's also the kickoff to the NBA playoffs. Uh, I kind of know where you're going to go with this, um, and it's probably going to be Blazers. Before we do that, uh, since we're wrapping up the show, I want to mention that this segment is brought to you by Encore Audio Video. If you need a home theater, home automation, 
just looking for an upgrade of the equipment you already have or you're looking for controls that are a lot easier to use go see the guys at Encore Audio Video 14th and Everett in the Pearl Will Darkens what are you watching this weekend? well of course the Masters no um, <laughs> looking well, for that drum circle inside of sports and inside of game one with the Trailblazers and Oklahoma City Thunder I am going to watch Seth Curry Really? Yes, I am, because he is going to be our bench scoring man. Is that going to be his official title? Yeah, just like wing guy. It, when, when Seth Curry shows up on the screen and they put, they, they'll have his name and then his position will be bench scoring person. Man. Man. Yeah. Um... Uh, no, I mean, with Yusuf Nurkic obviously out, you know, that's a huge part of your offense in the starting five that you're going to miss. And so, you know, conceivably you're going to put Enos Cantor out there to start. And you're going to rotate in Zach Collins at times, maybe Myers like you've predicted, just to kind of toss yeah. things up a little bit, throw some defense in there. But, you know, it's going to be hard not to put CJ and Dame on the floor at the same time because the strategy that was used last year by the Pelicans was just double them, they'll get rid of the ball, and then nobody else is going to score. Yep. Well, if you have two of them on the floor at the same time, you can't double two people. So you're going to have to have Seth Curry come in at a certain point. What if they did? I they mean, just run four guys out in the, on the perimeter, and then one guy takes care of the other yeah, three. I don't know. Just give it to uh, give it to Steven, Al, man. Stephen Adams shuts down yeah. Cantor and Arkless and Aminu. Aminu, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to have Seth Curry come off the bench and obviously score some points and shoot really well. And uh, you know, I think he's going to be a major key in this uh, for the Blazers to, I don't know, not only hang around but win the series. So obviously we're both watching the Blazers game. I think that kind of goes without saying. I don't know I don't know what it's going to look like. This is a really difficult difficult thing for me, but what I'm looking for is the halo effect of Damian Lillard. So Dame at the end of last season came out and set his goal and there was an article and I, I wish I could give credit to to the guy that put it together. But it was it was talking in depth on what Damien's little goal was for the offseason. And that was to he's established himself as an NBA superstar. He wanted to figure out how he makes his team better. He needed to be better in the playoffs. He admitted that, but he also needed to kind of get that same fire that he has and instill that in the rest of his team. Seth Curry uh, had an article, and I think this was Jason Quick that was talking about it, where the moment that he really took things to the next level this year was when Dame pulled him aside and said, hey, listen, you need to be aggressive. Your shot is not going to be designed in this offense. That's not your role. You need to create your own shot. You need to be confident in your shot. And you go out there and start being more aggressive. You're going to be a huge factor in this team. It's been well documented, the relationship between Dame and Nurkic and how Dame has been a mentor to Yusuf and making sure that he shows up focused to every single game. We saw it the other night. Anthony Simon said, you know, part of the thing that, that, you know, held his head high when they were down 28 and felt like he could go out and do it was Dame pulled him aside and said, hey, listen, you've got this. You've got the talent to do it. The effect that Damian Lillard has on this team and the team's confidence. Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood both said independently that they had other offers that may have been more money and may have been better. They both wanted to come to Portland. I know those aren't the free agent signings that we praise across the NBA, but we also have said for a very long time that the Portland Trailblazers can't draw free agents to it these are good players they're not great players but i want to see what effect damian lowered how he shows up and how he plays 
and how he affects the rest of his team. I'm not sure exactly how you watch for it, but that's what I'm going to be looking for and see if there's signs of that. Dude, you got to watch to have him take over the game here. Yeah. And I mean, the first, honestly, first five minutes of the game, he needs to be aggressive. I know that yep. his style usually in most games is to kind of defer back, and yep. get people, other people involved in anything. But dude, this is the playoffs. We've said yep. it over and over and over again. Talent is going to win in the playoffs. Yep. Make your presence known immediately and just freaking go at it, dude. Yep. What are you watching outside sports? 3.30, Ugly Truth with Katherine Heigl and Gerard Butler. Um, this is a weird movie. So a hot air balloon movie, isn't it? No, this is not. Well, at the end, yeah. it's not a hot air balloon themed movie. Because <laughs> that's how you asked that. You were like, yeah. oh, this is a movie about people in hot air balloons. Yeah, but if you watch long enough, you'll see a hot air balloon. You will, yeah. Um, this is apparently the movie that lost Katherine Heigl like work. Yeah. She was a nightmare on set, and people were like, yeah, I'm never hiring her. Again. Yeah, yeah, they went the wrong direction. And Gerard Butler is a romantic interest. We'll see about that. Uh, untold history, I'm getting more and more into it. The next episode is about the A-bomb and the end of World War II. Very Ooh. excited to watch that. Uh, it's Oliver Stone on Netflix. Check it out. All right, big weekend of sports. Everybody enjoy whatever happens. We'll talk about it next week. Big thanks to Jen Ellis for joining us. Will Darkens, as always. If you missed anything, download the Les Schwab Tires podcast at 1080thefan.com. NBA right here on The Fan later today, so stay tuned. Uh, we're done. Bye-bye. Give the audience a good enjoy. It's your last chance anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. Ramon Lurie, I know you didn't. KD, you cheese butt. Where LeBron at? KD, LeBron, he gonna yam on you. Code Red. Juice. Wow. You know, I'm gonna watch Norbit. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.